We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 254 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, February 18th, 2022. Our first footballless weekend since the summer is upon us. But you know what? With our commanders, the news never stops. And there was news on Thursday. Now, in some ways, the news is silly. But in other ways, the news is really significant because the news is indicative of how this team is. The commander's crest controversy continues. Yes, the crest controversy. Not crest toothpaste. No, the commander's crest. The commander's patch with the wrong years commemorating the Redskins' Three Super Bowl championships. We, on Thursday, had news in the Commander's Crest controversy. A controversy that should have never happened to begin with. Uh, I will sound off on the latest coming up next segment. But happy Friday. Great to have you with us. I have much more than just a Crest talk for you regarding the Commanders on this installment of the Al Galdi podcast. As you hopefully know by now, I talk Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders on every installment of the podcast, of which there is a new episode every weekday out in the 5 a.m. hour. We are there for you when you wake up with fresh, up-to-the-minute Washington, D.C. sports content. Do not be held prisoner by some of what is out there on Sports Talk Radio. Know that you have options. This podcast is an option. Top 45 in the country on Apple Podcasts in the U.S. football category as of Thursday. Thank you very much to you for that. Uh, But also on the show, I'm going to explore something regarding our commanders. Uh, Did Ron Rivera make a mistake, make a boo-boo, in not retaining Kevin O'Connell as Washington offensive coordinator? When the Skins hired Ron as head coach, In January 2020, the widespread expectation was that Ron would retain Kevin O'Connell as offensive coordinator, was that Ron would retain KOC as OC. Uh, That, of course, did not end up happening. 
Ron went with Scott Turner as offensive coordinator. Kevin O'Connell went on to become the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. He just won a Super Bowl, and he now is the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. What happened between Don Ron and KOC, and did Ron screw up? Uh, I shall discuss coming up. And I will properly commemorate wins on Thursday night for the Capitals and the Wizards as each team won on the road in going into a lengthy break. Uh, The Caps won at the Philadelphia Flyers 5-3. The Wizards won at the Brooklyn Nets 117-103. Lots of good stuff to talk about from those games. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I get so many great tweets and emails from you guys. Email from Roy O'Grady on a potential fight song for our commanders off the commies-themed potential fight song from another emailer, Rich Poland, on Tuesday's show, episode 251, writes, Roy, dude's fight song is really, really good. I've been working on one myself. Mine so far. Fail to dance Redskins. Few victories. Now we're the commies. Perfect for all DC. We'll continue (laughs) as I think of more. Roy, excellent job by you, man. Terrific. I like what we got going on here. People submitting tongue-in-cheek lyrics for a fight song for the commanders. You know, one of my favorite things about this podcast is the organic hot topics that emerge, like the intro song, like whether I should curse, like whether I should declare the episode numbers at the beginnings of shows. Now, perhaps we have another organic hot topic, lyrics for a fight song for our commanders, but the lyrics must be to the tune of Hail to the Redskins. I do think that we have something here, so keep the submissions coming. Uh, email from Roger on the name commanders off an email from a Connor Davis that I read on Wednesday's show, episode 252. Connor is under the age of 30, so he's among those fans who the team is trying to reach in particular, and he's not at all a fan of the name commanders or basically anything having to do with commanders. Right, Roger, I am listening to you reading Connor's email on your Wednesday podcast and have to contrast what he is saying. My son plays college football at a school in North Carolina, fully surrounded by Panthers fans who love to remind him of how dysfunctional the skins are. When the name was revealed, he took a little crap over the name, but a lot of his buddies now have admitted that they like the name. As for the uniforms, my son's teammates love, absolutely love the new unis. In fact, many of my son's teammates have asked if they can come home with him the next time that he comes home so that they can go to the team store. Parentheses, apparently the online store isn't great. Uh, My son, who grew up in the area, has never really been a Redskins fan. Parentheses, like many in the area, he grew up a Ravens fan. But for the first time, he's a little excited about the Commanders. So for all of the Connors out there, there are a number of young fans who seem to be at least a little excited about the home team. The name is not the Redskins. Therefore, it will always suck a little. But since it will never be Redskins again, Commanders isn't too bad. I think we will grow to love it. Well, thank you for the email, Roger. And look, this whole Commanders thing 
is totally subjective. There are no right and wrong answers. Uh, How you feel about the name and everything that goes with the name is up to you and entirely up to you. For the team's sake, I hope that there are many more people like Roger's son and his friends than there are like Connor, but that doesn't make Roger's son and his friends right and Connor wrong. You're allowed to feel however you feel. As I have said, I do not hate the name Commanders. I don't. I don't think that it's some terrible name. I like two of the three uniforms, the burgundy uniform and the black uniform. I cannot stand the white uniform. Uh, I like the idea of the crest. I just hate that the wrong Super Bowl years are on the crest. We shall talk about the crest next segment. By the way, I'm interested to hear this. For those of you who have ordered things with the crest, what exactly are the crests looking like in terms of those Super Bowl winning years for the skins? Are you seeing the wrong years? Are you seeing the Super Bowl Roman numerals? I'm interested in actually what you're getting back right now when you order something with that crest. Again, full-fledged crest talk next segment here on the podcast. But honestly, the biggest problem with the name, at least for me, was the announcement of the name and the reveal of the name. Uh, As we have discussed, the team had 19 months to figure out what to do on February 2nd, right? What to do on 2.2.22. And the whole presentation was low energy and low production value and lackluster and lacking in pizzazz. And is that the end of the world, that the announcement of the name, that the reveal of the name uh, weren't all that? No, but that day left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And not helping matters is that the very next day, and seemingly every day since then, has featured one item after another about this Washington workplace misconduct scandal. Email from Brandon Adams of Gaithersburg, Maryland, off the greatest running back in Skins history, John Riggins, on the John Riggins show, saying that he feels, quote, completely disenfranchised, end quote, by the Skins having become the commanders. Uh, Brandon begins his email with some very nice compliments. Thank you for that, Brandon. Continues, Brandon. In follow-up to Rigo's comments, for which, as a lifelong Redskins fan with no voice, I am so grateful, I, like you, am in my early 40s, just celebrated my 43rd birthday, which I feel is appropriate, being that Rigo was obviously one of my all-time favorites, along with so many others. My wife and I never missed a home game for 10 years, from 2004 through 2013, but we had to give up tickets after our second child arrived. But bigger than all of that, I, like many Redskin diehards, hadn't missed a home game on TV Live since the early 90s. That is until last year when I began the process of letting go of the team I've loved all of my life. There is nothing we can do to change it. The damage is done, and I couldn't care less if Dan Snyder keeps the team or not. Looking back now, I'm glad that the team didn't just slap a new name on the team back in 2020. I've needed the last 18 months to mourn, be angry, and lament the team that I just couldn't believe wasn't around anymore. It's truly like a death in the family. Maybe it's kind of like the Baltimore Colts leaving in the middle of the night in the snow back in the 80s and then Baltimore getting a team back. But in our case, the return happened in a light speed, 18-month, social media-driven, toxic culture hell ride. What did we do to deserve this? 
There are tortured fan bases out there, but we feel a type of pain no one else has ever experienced. Let me be clear, it has never been because the team is losing, Al. If the team was still the Redskins, I'd be watching every game faithfully as I had been, but now it is officially over and flatlined. I have begun consciously making the effort not to watch the games because I, like you and so many others, was programmed on fall Sundays to watch no matter what. It's hard to break all of the old Sunday habits, but I'm trying for my own sake and to protect my heart. What keeps me motivated to not watch anymore are a number of things that consistently continue to actively hurt watching the games, which simply makes it too painful to watch, most notably and beginning with how the national media, including the NFL, won't recognize past players like Sonny, Daryl, Art Rigo, etc., as Redskins. You got the team to change its name, but doing a deep scrub into everything out there is crazy, unfair, dirty, and typical of our obtuse society. I don't want a throwback C-word, parentheses, can't even bring myself to say the name, jersey. I want a throwback Rigo Redskins jersey. Can't even get throwback memorabilia. Maybe someday, but I'll spend my money on anything Redskins I can find. Not a nickel on any of the new crap. They've taken the name, but why do they have to continue to gut the past? This politically correct, hypocritical cancel culture American society has hit control, alt, delete, on our beloved Redskins, and I can't take it anymore. So to protect myself, I'm going to take my Redskins hat, coffee mug, and other aging memorabilia, take good care of those things, and continue to let go. I thank Rigo and yourself for being a voice for people like myself who do not have one and are simply left brokenhearted. Hail to the Redskins. And Brandon includes with his email a photo of a license plate that he has had. The license plate reads <laughs> F Dallas. Uh, man, very powerful email, Brandon. I hear you. Uh, I'm guessing that many people listening to this right now hear you and agree with you. Uh, I have talked extensively about why the name changed and why it remains very debatable, very debatable, whether the name should have ever changed. I won't rehash everything right now, but I would encourage you to listen to that episode of the podcast if you haven't yet listened to that episode of the podcast. The episode is episode 242. The title of the episode is A Final Goodbye to Redskins and much more. Look, more power to you, Brandon, in your effort to consciously uncouple from being a Redskins fan. Personally, I will never not be a fan of the team, no matter what the name of the team is, no matter who the owner of the team is. I will never stop rooting for the team. I will never stop following the team. The team has me and will never lose me. And that's just the truth. And I may well be a sucker, a sap, a mark for feeling this way, but that's the way that I feel, you know? Burgundy and gold until my blood runs cold. Uh, but I get the anger. Believe you me, I do. I actually talked about this with Kevin Sheehan on his podcast this week. Well, however you feel about the name change, wherever you are right now in your fandom of the team now known as the Commanders, always know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you, including if you own or run a Washington, D.C.-based or West Virginia-based business. Paulson and Nace can help you with your business insurance policy of the pandemic. A business insurance policy is meant to reimburse you for losses incurred in catastrophes like fires or burglaries, but business insurance also includes business interruption 
insurance. And with the pandemic and resulting restrictions, there may be legal options available to you to recoup your losses. Yeah. Contact Paulson and Nace to find out more. The attorneys at Paulson and Nace can help you review your business insurance policy and understand what options you have in running a business, given what we've all had to go through over the last two years. You see, Paulson and Nace is a law firm that is ready to represent you if you've been wronged. Paulson and Nace will fight for you. Additionally, Paulson and Nace handles complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases. Paulson and Nace offers fierce advocacy on behalf of medical malpractice, birth injury, and personal injury victims throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. So if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Whether you're dealing with a business insurance situation, a personal injury situation, a medical malpractice situation, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a D.C.-based family law firm. The Naces are big fans of the Commanders. Chris Nace is a past president of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. Matt Nace is a member of the board of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. These guys are great at what they do. Paulson and Nace has decades of experience trying cases to jury verdicts and fighting for those injured through no fault of their own. Call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. See what Paulson and Nace can do for you. Here's the phone number, 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you, but see what Paulson and Nace can do for you. Schedule your no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Up next, the Commander's Crest Controversy. Now even more absurd. I'll get to that after this. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or that is preventing you from achieving your goals? You or someone you love falling into depression or struggling with anxiety can keep you from what you care about. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Now understand, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. BetterHelp is not self-help. BetterHelp is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas, and BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide. BetterHelp is convenient. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist from whom you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you do with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and so BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change therapists if needed, and BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You deserve that, and so here's a special offer. Go to betterhelp.com slash that's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Galdi, G-A-L-D-I, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You'll get 10% off your first month 
at BetterHelp just by going to betterhelp.com slash Galdi. That's betterhelp.com slash Galdi and get 10% off your first month. So many people have been helped by the great therapist at BetterHelp. How about this from a client on a therapist named Mary Allen? Quote, since I've worked with Mary, I've seen so many positive changes in daily life. I always look forward to our conversations because I feel so supported and Mary always has great ideas and solutions for me. End quote. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that BetterHelp is actually recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Look, we all know people who have struggled with mental health. Perhaps you yourself have struggled with mental health. There's no shame. Those days are done. So many athletes have dealt with mental health difficulties. Take control of your mental health. You deserve to be happy. Go to betterhelp.com slash Galdi. That's betterhelp.com slash Galdi. Well, if we as fans of the team now known as the Commanders know anything, it is controversy. Uh, We as fans of this team have experienced big controversies and small controversies. We as fans of this team have experienced on-the-field controversies and off-the-field controversies. We as fans of this team have experienced serious controversies and not-so-serious controversies. But you tell me, Can you, as a Commanders fan, remember a controversy involving this team as avoidable, as unnecessary, as dumb as this crest controversy? Cuckoo! Cuckoo! Yeah, (laughs) like with all of the problems that the team has, that the team has this crest controversy and that the team isn't simply admitting a mistake and fixing the mistake is just so ridiculous and so short-sighted. Do what is best for the crest, okay? Repeat after me. Do what is best for the crest. So, (laughs) the crest, uh, one of the many things that were revealed on the day on which the name Commanders was revealed. February 2nd, a.k.a. Yes, 2.2.22, was a crest or a patch for the Commanders. Now, I like a lot about the crest. I do. Uh, I like the design of the crest. I like the idea of a crest. I am not anti-crest, but I do protest the crest because the crest has a problem, a major problem. The crest lists the five seasons of the franchise's NFL titles slash Super Bowl titles as being 1937, 1942, 1983, 1988, and 1992. Now, the Washington Redskins won an NFL championship game in December 1937 for the 1937 season and won an NFL championship game in December 1942 for the 1942 season. So, okay, having 1937 and 1942 on the crest makes sense. But the Washington Redskins won Super Bowls for the 1982, 1987, and 1991 seasons. And yet, the crest includes the years 1983, 1988, and 1992. Obviously, those years were on the crest because those are the calendar years in which the Super Bowls that the Skins won took place. But as most, if not all, of you listening know, 
nobody, and I mean nobody, considers the Skins Super Bowl winning teams or seasons to be 1983, 1988, and 1992. The Skins Super Bowl winning teams and seasons are 1982, 1987, and 1991. Every true Skins slash Washington football team slash Commanders fan knows that. I get what the idea was with the crest, but the crest 100% should have 1937, 1942, 1982, 1987, and 1991 as the five years of the franchise's NFL titles slash Super Bowl titles. Well, Commander's Insider, Michael Phillips of Richmond.com, a friend of the Al Galdi podcast, Michael on Thursday reported that the Commanders and the NFL are in fact at odds over the crest. The Commanders want to replace the years 1983, 1988, and 1992 with the Roman numerals for the Super Bowls that the Skins won. Super Bowls 17, 22, and 26. But the NFL will not allow the Commanders to do this. Wrote Michael, quote, according to a source, the team tweaked the crest, changing the years to the Roman numerals of the game. However, all changes to logos and team identities have to be presented to the NFL for league approval, and the NFL declined Washington's request. That's left Washington in limbo as it works on how best to present its new merchandise to fans. A person with knowledge of the situation said the team is still brainstorming ways to tweak the crest to reflect the fan feedback that has been received. End quote. (laughs) Uh, Translation of fan feedback, the fan outrage. Uh, So two immediate reactions. Number one, as we have had this obvious and stark divide between Dan Snyder and the NFL in Washington's workplace misconduct scandal, now we have a divide regarding the crest. Boy, Danny and the NFL are not getting along these days, huh? Uh, Number two, isn't it interesting that the team, instead of just correcting 1983, 1988, and 1992 to 1982, 1987, and 1991, wants to use the Roman numerals for the Super Bowls that the Skins won? Super Bowl 17, 22, and 26. Does that not strike you as the team not wanting to admit that it was wrong? And so the team instead is pursuing this alternate change. You know, the team is opting to split the baby in half instead of actually doing what's right. And along those lines, ESPN Commander's insider John Keim on Thursday afternoon tweeted that the Roman numerals are considered intellectual property of the NFL, but that he had talked to someone in the NFL and that person said that the commanders are free to change the years on the crest whenever the team wants to change the years on the crest. So at least according to Kime, the commanders could change the years to the correct years if the commanders wanted to change the years to the correct years. But the commanders apparently don't want to do that. Why? My guess is because doing that would be an admission of having been wrong. And make no mistake, the team is wrong. For decades, we have referred to Super Bowl winning teams as teams for the regular seasons that immediately preceded those Super Bowls because the majorities, if not the entireties 
of the regular seasons took place in the calendar years prior to those Super Bowls. In other words, the entirety of the 1991 regular season took place in the calendar year of 1991. Then the bulk of the postseason for that season took place in the calendar year of 1992. Thus, we refer to that Super Bowl-winning Redskins team as the 1991 Redskins, not the 1992 Redskins. Everybody knows this. Only a non-NFL fan doesn't know this. Calling or referring to the 1991 Redskins as the 1992 Redskins is the kind of thing that, like, your aunt who doesn't follow sports would do, you know? Like, when someone says the score of a football game with the lesser score first, what's the score? 10-12. Okay, you must not be a football fan, you know? Like, that's basically the equivalent of calling the 1991 Redskins the 1992 Redskins, or in any way referring to the 1991 Redskins with the year 1992. If you have spent any significant time watching the NFL, following the NFL, reading about the NFL, going on websites like Pro Football Reference, playing NFL video games like Madden, you know that the name of a team in terms of its year is the year of the regular season. We just celebrated the 30-year anniversary of the 1991 Redskins, not the 1992 Redskins. One of the greatest defenses in NFL history was that of the 1985 Chicago Bears, not the defense of the 1986 Chicago Bears, even though the 85 Bears won their Super Bowl in January 1986. This isn't complicated. And yet, our team, the Commanders, has made this complicated and apparently won't just admit that they're wrong on this. You know, the hashtag for the Commanders is what, right? Take command. The great irony in the Crest controversy is that the team will not take command. Uh, Now, there is some thought that the commanders might have to file a new trademark application for the Crest if they change the dates on the Crest, because you're not allowed to make a material alteration to a mark after application. Uh, I'm not a trademark lawyer, so I'm not sure how true this is. I'm also not sure if changing three years would qualify as a material alteration. Maybe there is a way around all of this, but even if this is true and there's no way around this, make the change to 82, 87, and 91. Get the ball rolling on the change. Get the ball rolling on making things right. I'm not sure whose fault the crest controversy is. I don't know if this is a Dan Snyder thing or a Jason Wright thing or a someone else thing. I do know that this is a dumb thing, okay? This is a bad look. This is only angering a fan base that's already livid over a number of items. Just make the changes, okay? Change 1983, 1988, and 1992 to 1982, 1987, and 1991. The team clearly overthought the years on the crest. Look, it's a mistake. It's a bad mistake. But it's a mistake. We all make mistakes. I've made a million mistakes. Sometimes you overthink things. The team clearly overthought the years on the crest. But do not double down on the mistake. Don't make a halfway fix of the mistake. Make a full fix of the mistake. Do what is best for the crest. Repeat after me. Do what is best for the crest. That is my rallying cry for this issue, an issue that I still can't believe we're talking about. Up next, speaking of doing or not doing what is best, did Ron Rivera in January 2020 screw up 
in not retaining Kevin O'Connell as Washington offensive coordinator. I've been thinking about this off Kevin becoming the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. I'll talk about this, including what happened between Ron and Kevin straight ahead. All right, my friends, I want to tell you about something special, a great, easy, and affordable way to have your meals. HelloFresh. HelloFresh is great. Uh, With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. This is why HomeFresh is America's number one meal kit. And HelloFresh is offering something really special to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. More on that shortly. But if you want to eat healthy or at least eat healthier, uh, you want to eat food that tastes great and you don't have time to be making trips to buy food and coming up with complicated recipes, you got to try HelloFresh. We tried HelloFresh and loved it. Uh, I got a HelloFresh box that was heavy on meat. We cooked up some great ground beef and delicious pork, had tostadas. They were excellent. My wife followed the detailed recipe that HelloFresh provided, in addition to all of the ingredients that we needed. And my four-year-old son loved the food. And trust me, that's big because he's impossible to please, okay? He's a major diva. He's worse than his father. Uh, HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to your door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week, so you get convenience without skimping on quality. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items from which to choose each week, including veggie, calorie-smart, family-friendly, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety, and HelloFresh offers flexibility with which you can customize your order. And HelloFresh will save you money. A HelloFresh meal, on average, is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And you can save, on average, over $65 a month by ordering HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. So here's what you do. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16 and use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16 and use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16 and use that code Galdi16 for the special offer. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A reminder to subscribe to the Al Galdi podcast. If you don't already do that, subscribing costs you nothing and make sure that you never miss an episode. Also, if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please give the podcast a five-star rating. If you haven't yet done that, and if you are using Apple Podcasts, please write a brief one or two sentence review saying how much that you like the podcast. If you haven't yet done that, uh, much appreciated. The ratings and the reviews help to make the podcast successful. Advertisers look at the ratings and the reviews, and thank you very much for doing the ratings and the reviews. So, the Minnesota Vikings on Wednesday officially announced Kevin O'Connell as their head coach. The Vikings on Thursday held an introductory press conference for Kevin, a.k.a. KOC. Uh, There are multiple things to think about as a Commanders fan upon the Vikings hiring Kevin O'Connell as their head coach. One is that Kevin O'Connell has become yet another former member of a Redskins coaching staff who has become an NFL head coach. Uh, This trend really is something. The Vikings hiring Kevin O'Connell as their head coach completed the NFL's head coaching cycle this offseason. There are 32 head coaches in the NFL. Six of the NFL's 32 head coaches are former members of Redskins coaching staffs. Los Angeles Rams head coach Sean McVay, San Francisco 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan, Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur, Atlanta Falcons head coach Arthur Smith. I'm being super technical in including him, but Arthur Smith was a Skins defensive quality control coach for the 2007 and 2008 seasons. And as you likely know, uh, Arthur Smith's dad is former Skins minority owner Fred Smith, the founder, chairman, and CEO of FedEx, and the man who you could argue is more responsible than any other human being for the name of the team no longer being the Redskins. And the other two current NFL head coaches who previously were assistants on a Redskins coaching staff, Miami Dolphins, head coach Mike McDaniel, and Minnesota Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell was a Skins offensive assistant for three seasons. Kevin was a Skins quarterbacks coach for the 2017 season. He was a quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator for the 2018 season, and he was the offensive coordinator for the 2019 season. That six of the NFL's 32 head coaches are former members of of Redskins coaching staffs is remarkable. Six out of 32 is 18.75%. Nearly one out of five NFL head coaches right now is a former member of a Redskins coaching staff. But the other thing to think about as a Commanders fan of the Vikings hiring Kevin O'Connell as their head coach is this. Ron Rivera having not retained Kevin O'Connell as Skins offensive coordinator upon the Skins having hired Ron as head coach in January 2020. For all of the talk in recent years about Washington needing to have regret and lament 
over Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur, even though, as I've pointed out, there's context and nuance that are so often missing from the McVay-Kyle LaFleur conversation. You almost never hear conversation about something for which you absolutely could argue there should be regret and lament. Ron Rivera going with Scott Turner and not Kevin O'Connell as Skins offensive coordinator. Now, what exactly happened between Ron Rivera and Kevin O'Connell has never been crystal clear. Here's what we do know. So the Skins officially hired Ron Rivera as head coach on New Year's Day 2020. Every initial indication was that Ron would be keeping Kevin O'Connell as Skins offensive coordinator. Skins insider J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington on his Redskins Talk podcast on December 30th, 2019, said that Kevin remaining as the Skins offensive coordinator was a lock. NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network at NFL.com on January 3rd, 2020, reported that Kevin was, quote, considered the favorite, end quote, to serve as Skins offensive coordinator under Ron. But the Kevin O'Connell situation dragged on and on, and we, on January 7th, 2020, had multiple reports that O'Connell had received permission to explore other options and that the Skins were hiring Scott Turner as their offensive coordinator. NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB on January 7th, 2020 tweeted, quote, the at Redskins focus for the OC hire was on Scott Turner all the way through, end quote. So what happened? Well, as best as I can tell, based on what I have heard and what has been reported, this is what happened. Ron Rivera may well have been open to Kevin O'Connell staying on as offensive coordinator, but only on Ron's terms. Ron filled out the offensive portion of his coaching staff with a number of people from Ron's time as Carolina Panthers head coach. Kevin O'Connell staying on as Skins' offensive coordinator, would have required him working with coaches with whom he was unfamiliar and not having been able to have a say in the offensive portion of the coaching staff. To that end, what I think may have turned off Kevin O'Connell as much as anything was what Kevin had just gone through with Bill Callahan as Skins' interim head coach. The Skins, on October 7, 2019, fired head coach Jay Gruden and promoted Callahan to interim head coach. You remember Bill Callahan, do you not? Coach Callahan, Coach Cal, uh, the man who loved to talk about the self-scout, the traditional bi-week self-scout, something that Bill Callahan, during his time as Skins interim head coach, talked about over and over and over and over and over again. Go back into the self-scout, uh, coming off the self-scout. So as we delve and take a deep dive into the self-scout. Yes, Bill, we got it. Bill Callahan loved the self-scout. The self-scout was like a religious experience for Bill Callahan. Anyway, Bill Callahan and Jay Gruden could not stand each other. Uh, Bill Callahan was a Bruce Allen guy. Bruce forced this marriage between Jay and Bill, and the results were not good. I was told at one point that Jay wanted Bill off Jay's coaching staff, but Bruce wouldn't allow for that to happen. Now, Kevin O'Connell, as Jay's offensive coordinator in the 2019 season, did not call offensive plays. Jay called offensive plays, but upon the skins firing Jay, 
Kevin was told that he would be calling plays with Callahan as interim head coach. Well, things didn't exactly go that way, at least not initially. Callahan wanted an old-school approach of establishing the run and calling a number of early down runs. Kevin did not want these things, but this is what we got. And the Skins, not so coincidentally at one point with Callahan as interim head coach in the 2019 regular season, went 16 consecutive quarters without scoring a touchdown. Yes, 16 consecutive quarters without scoring a touchdown. Now, eventually, Kevin got to have more control over his offense. More on that in a bit. But I very much believe that Kevin's less than stellar experience with Coach Cal soured Kevin on potentially serving as Ron Rivera's offensive coordinator. Not that Kevin necessarily saw Ron as another Coach Cal, but I think Kevin wanted more control over his environment and over what he would be doing. And I bet that Kevin doubted that he would truly be able to dictate what the Skins offense would be with Ron Rivera as head coach and with so many of Ron's cohorts from Carolina on that Skins coaching staff. What I think also happened is that Ron Rivera was leaning towards Scott Turner as Ron's offensive coordinator with the Skins all along. Uh, Ron had worked with Scott with the Panthers. Ron clearly was comfortable with hiring people with whom he had worked with the Panthers. And so Ron probably didn't mind at all that Kevin O'Connell ended up not really feeling it regarding serving as Ron's offensive coordinator with the Skins. So what I think we ended up having with Ron Rivera and Kevin O'Connell was a mutual porting of the ways that was initiated by Ron as much as anything. He was the head coach. If he had really wanted to have Kevin O'Connell as offensive coordinator, then Ron would have done what he would have needed to do in order to retain Kevin as offensive coordinator. But Ron didn't do that. Kevin O'Connell spent the 2020 and 2021 seasons as offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams, who, of course, just won Super Bowl 56. Uh, It's worth noting that Kevin did not call offensive plays for the Rams. Rams head coach Sean McVay called offensive plays. Meantime, Washington over the last two seasons has had extremely mixed offensive results with Scott Turner as offensive coordinator. Washington's passing games over the last two seasons have not been good. Uh, Washington finished the 2020 regular season, number 32, dead last in the NFL in passing offense for Football Outsiders DVOA metric and finished the 2021 regular season, number 22 in the NFL in passing offense for DVOA. Uh, Washington, in terms of scoring over the last two seasons, has not been good. Washington finished the 2020 regular season, number 25 in the NFL in points per game at 20.9 and finished the 2021 regular season tied for number 23 in the NFL in points per game at 19.7. Now, in fairness to Scott Turner, uh, there are a number of things to mention in his favor regarding the last two seasons. Uh, Washington in the 2020 regular season, of course, had a mess of a quarterback situation with the flameout of Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen severely injuring his left ankle, and Alex Smith being very limited in his comeback from his ravaged right leg. And Scott Turner in that 2020 season called a heck of a game in the 2021 NFL playoffs, right? Washington's loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in the wildcard round. Taylor Heineke, of course, was Washington's starting quarterback, was making just his second career NFL start in terms of the regular season and postseason. Heineke was outstanding. He gets the bulk of the credit, but I thought that Scott on that Saturday night called a heck of a game and outcoached the Bucs' great defensive coordinator, 
Todd Bowles, uh, the guy who was supposed to be Washington's starting quarterback for the 2021 regular season, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick, he suffered a season-ending right hip subluxation in week one. So you got to make mention of that when you're talking about Washington's passing game for the 2021 regular season, not exactly uh, being outstanding. Uh, Washington's offense in the 2021 regular season was ravaged by injury, right? Fitzpatrick, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, Brandon Sheriff, Samuel Cosme, Chase Rullier, all missed substantial time. Fourth string center Keith Ismail was Washington's starting center in five of the team's final six games in the 2021 regular season. Your fourth string center and Washington's short yardage rushing offense for the last two seasons has been really good. Remember, Washington had all kinds of problems in short yardage circumstances with Jay Gruden as head coach. Washington's short yardage running game over the last two seasons has been among the best in the NFL. Football Outsiders has a stat called power success rate which is the percentage of successful third and fourth down runs requiring no more than two yards for a first down or a touchdown. Washington finished the 2020 regular season tied for number seven in the NFL in power success rate and finished the 2021 regular season at number three in the NFL in power success rate. So I don't think that it's fair to say that Scott Turner has been terrible as Washington's offensive coordinator. It is fair to say that the bottom line results have not been there. But there's significant context that you need to bring up when you say that. And Scott does do things that smart, progressive, offensive minds do in today's NFL. Uh, Scott calls a lot of first down passes. Scott makes usage of a lot of motion and misdirection. So when I watch Scott Turner work, I'm like, you know what? I see something here with this guy. But no doubt, overall, the jury is out on Scott Turner as an NFL offensive coordinator. It's not a great look for Ron Rivera that Scott Turner as Washington offensive coordinator has been as mixed as he has been. And the guy on whom Ron essentially passed in favor of Scott, Kevin O'Connell, just won a Super Bowl and now is an NFL head coach despite being younger than Scott. Uh, Kevin is 36. Scott is 39. There's also this with Kevin O'Connell. Dwayne Haskins, during his 2019 rookie season, demonstrated real growth with Kevin O'Connell. Kevin spent a lot of extra time working with Dwayne. Now, I know Dwayne Haskins has been a total bust. And I'm not saying that had Kevin O'Connell been retained as Skins offensive coordinator, that Dwayne would have ended up being a franchise quarterback for Washington. Dwayne was his own worst enemy. His poor work habits doomed him as much as anything. But a reason that me and many others wanted to see more of Dwayne as Washington's starting quarterback going into the 2020 season was how Dwayne had ended his 2019 rookie season. Dwayne ended his 2019 rookie season on a high note. Dwayne, over his last two games, which essentially were six quarters, completed 31 of 43 passes. That works out to a completion percentage of 72.1, which is excellent. He threw for 394 yards on those 43 pass attempts. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of 9.16, which is excellent. And he had four touchdown passes versus no interceptions. As the Skins 2019 offense became more of what Kevin O'Connell wanted of him having clashed with interim head coach Bill Callahan over offensive philosophy, things got better and Dwayne looked much better. But put the Dwayne Haskins stuff aside. 
You can not hate the job that Scott Turner has done as Washington offensive coordinator and still wonder whether the team would have been better off had Ron Rivera gone with Kevin O'Connell and not Scott Turner as offensive coordinator. And this is the camp that I'm in. Uh, I do think that some of the criticism of Scott Turner has been over the top, okay? Uh, But at the same time, I totally concede that the overall output from Washington offensively over Scott's two seasons as a team's offensive coordinator has not been close enough to being good enough. Kevin O'Connell, on the other hand, spent the last two seasons as offensive coordinator for a Rams team that has been really good offensively, and that just won the Super Bowl. And you can say that a lot of that was Sean McVay and the talent that the Rams have. And of course, you're right, but you're not being fair if you say that Kevin has had nothing to do with the Rams' offensive success over the last two seasons. Where I think that a lot of NFL head coaches go wrong in their second and third acts as head coaches, is that they revert too much to people with whom the coaches have worked as opposed to being open to new and better people. And I do wonder about that with Ron Rivera. But in fairness to Ron, some of the people who he has brought to Washington from Carolina have been really good. Uh, Offensive line coach John Matsko comes to mind. Tight ends coach Pete Hayner comes to mind. And Scott Turner could end up being on that list at some point too. But he's not right now. His overall work as Washington offensive coordinator has been mixed. And you wonder if we'd be saying the same thing about Kevin O'Connell had Ron retained Kevin, had Ron retained KOC as the team's offensive coordinator. Well, the Capitals this season have had a number of breaks in the season for multiple reasons. Uh, The Caps now have another break as they won't play a game until this Thursday night at the New York Rangers at 7. But the Caps go into this break in a good way. Uh, The Caps improved to 28-15-9 with a 5-3 win at the Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday night. This victory remarkably gives the Caps consecutive regulation wins for the first time since December 29th and December 31st. Yeah, the Caps had not had back-to-back regulation wins this calendar year, and we are deep into the month of February. Uh, also, this victory improves the Caps to 16-5-4 and on the road this season. The Caps have been a really good road team this season, and the victory was another milestone win For Caps head coach Peter Laviolette, Uh, the win was the 701st career regular season win for Laviolette, moving him past Mike Babcock for the ninth most regular season wins for a head coach in NHL history. Uh, This was a come-from-behind win for the Caps. They overcame a 3-2 third-period deficit and scored the game's final three goals. This was a win in which the Caps overcame being without a number of key players. Defenseman Justin Schultz was out, uh, this due to an upper body injury that he suffered in the Caps' previous game, the 4-1 win at the Nashville Predators on Tuesday night. Goaltender Vitek Vanacek remains unavailable due to an upper body injury that he suffered in a 4-3 overtime win at the Pittsburgh Penguins on February 1st. Forward TJ Oshie did not play for a 14th consecutive game due to an upper body injury that he suffered in a 2-0 win at the New York Islanders on January 15th. And forward Anthony Mantha remains out indefinitely due to shoulder surgery that he underwent 
on November 5th. My favorite thing about the Caps win at the Flyers on Thursday night is who produced for the Caps? A bunch of guys who don't exactly immediately come to mind in terms of production. The Caps have had to overcome a lot this season in terms of injury and COVID-induced absence. A big part of why the Caps have done well this season is guys coming through in the absence of others. And we had that theme on Thursday night. Garnett Hathaway, of all people, two third-period even-strength goals, a secondary assist, and a team-high four shots on goal. Uh, Hathaway's two third-period even-strength goals came just 145 apart. He scored a game-tying goal, 17.03 into the third period, then scored a go-ahead goal, 18.48 into the third period. Uh, Carl Haglin on Thursday night had two assists. Joe Snively, a native of Herndon, Virginia. He remains hot. He on Thursday night scored a power play goal, 12:49 into the second period for his fourth goal in four games. Joe Snively, a guy who the Caps signed in March 2019 as an undrafted free agent out of Yale. The Caps are getting goals from Joe Snively these days. Uh, defenseman Michael Kempney was back. He on Thursday night played in a game for the first time since January 26. Now, he did commit two minor penalties, but Kepney had an even-strength goal, 18-35 into the first period. And Kepney, per natural stat trick, was number one on the Caps in 5-on-5 five five shot attempt percentage for the game at 70.83. The Caps with Kepney on the ice in 5-on-5 five five situations in the game had 17 shot attempts versus allowing just seven shot attempts. This is Peter Laviolette during his post-game session with reporters on Thursday night on the Caps in this game, getting production from the likes of Hathaway and Haglin and Kempney. You know, to be honest, it's more expected right now, just the way they play the game. Um, like I said, they've done an excellent job uh, last couple of years of just, um, they have a good identity. You know, what you see from them is their identity, and they bring that pretty consistently on a nightly basis. And... Um, they're able to they're able to produce as well. It's not just about defense for them. They they have that same identity in the offensive zone and it generates chances. Yeah, good stuff. Ilya Samsonov on Thursday night was the cap starting goaltender for a fourth consecutive game. He was solid. Uh, not great, but solid. He stopped 30 of the 33 shots on goal that he faced. Samsonov per natural stat trick stopped six of the eight high danger shots on goal that he faced, stopped nine of the 10 medium danger shots on goal that he faced, and stopped all 12 of the low danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, The Caps did lose the puck possession battle on Thursday night, although that was mainly about a second period in which the Caps got rocked. Uh, The Caps in the second period per natural stat trick had just eight five-on-five shot attempts to the Flyers' 19, including just one high danger five-on-five shot attempt to the Flyers' six. So the Caps' second period was not good, but the Caps otherwise were all right uh, in this game from a puck possession standpoint. Caps for the game did have 25 shots on goal to the Flyers' 33. This was another mixed game for the Caps on special teams. Caps went just a 3 of 4 on the penalty kill, but did go 1 of 3 on the power play. Alex Ovechkin went pointless for the game, had just two shots on goal in the game, although he did tie for a team high with six shot attempts. But really nice to see the Caps piece together back-to-back regulation wins for the first time since late December. And also on Thursday night, some favorable results for the Caps. The Pittsburgh Penguins lost at the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-1. The New York Rangers lost at home 3-2 in a shootout 
to the Detroit Red Wings, and the Boston Bruins lost at the New York Islanders 4-1. So the Caps are fourth in the Metropolitan Division at 65 points, but now are just five points behind the first-place Penguins, three points behind the second-place Carolina Hurricanes, and two points behind the third-place Rangers. And the Caps now have a seven-point lead on the Bruins for the top wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. Things haven't been easy for the Caps this season. Things haven't always been smooth for the Caps this season. There are things that worry you about the Caps, but overall, the Caps are in a pretty good place given the circumstances. Well, just as the Capitals now have a break, so too do our Wizards. Uh, The NBA All-Star break has begun. The Wizards' next game isn't until Friday night, February 25th, home to the San Antonio Spurs at 7. And the Wizards are going into their break like the Caps are going into their break on a winning note. Uh, The Wizards improved to 27-31 and with a 117-103 win at the Brooklyn Nets on Thursday night. The Wizards won for just the fourth time in 14 games. The Wizards improved to just 17-28 and since their 10-3 and start to the season. Now, the Wizards beat a Nets team that was without Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, and Ben Simmons. So the Nets are not a good team right now. The Nets are just 2-12 and now over their last 14 games. But the Wizards are without arguably their two best players. Chris uh, Stamps Porzingis still has not made his Wizards debut. He, on Thursday night, did not play for a fourth consecutive game as a Wizard due to a right knee bone bruise. The hope is that Porzingis will make his Wizards debut in their first game after the All-Star break. And Bradley Beal, of course, is out for the rest of the regular season due to a torn ligament in his left wrist on which he underwent surgery on February 10th. Uh, The Wizards on Thursday night did blow a 13-point third-quarter lead, but the Wizards then won the fourth quarter 39-25. The Wizards on Thursday night did allow the Nets to go 14 of 38 on threes, but the Wizards held the Nets to just 22 of 51 on twos. You may recall the Wizards in their previous game, that 113-108 loss at the Indiana Pacers on Wednesday night, were horrendous in terms of interior defense. The Wizards in that game got bludgeoned in the paint, got outscored in the paint 74-36. Well, The Wizards' interior defense on Thursday night, much better. And the Wizards' offense on Thursday night was really good. This was one of the Wizards' best offensive games of the season. The Wizards scored 117 points. Seven Wizards players each scored at least 12 points. The Wizards went 12-24 on threes. The Wizards went 34-59 of on twos and outscored the Nets in the paint 54-28 The Wizards did all of this despite Kyle Kuzma and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope combining for just 12 points. Yeah, Kuzma and KCP on Thursday night combined for just 12 points, and yet the Wizards scored 117 points, and the Wizards won by 14 points despite having 16 free throw attempts to the Nets 24. A tremendous game from the Wizards bench. The Wizards on Thursday night, 65 bench points. Rui Hachimura was back. He returned from a one-game absence caused by a right ankle sprain that he suffered in the 103-94 win over the Detroit Pistons at Capital One Arena on Monday night. And Rui on Thursday night was great. 27 minutes, 15 seconds of playing time off the bench. He went 2-2 on threes, 6-13 on twos, finished with 20 points. Rui in that fourth quarter that the Wizards won 39-25, scored 13 points. 
Here was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his post-game press conference on Thursday night on Rui. Yeah, that's a good sign. Um, you've seen it in small spurts, but to see it for, you know, a good stretch is, is, is positive. Um, he's shooting the ball with confidence. He's playing with confidence. Um, guys trust him. So I think it's, a, it's just another step for him um, as he really kind of gets going. Yeah, and hopefully Rui stays going. Uh, so Rui was back on Thursday night. Also back for the Wizards on Thursday night was Daniel Gafford. Uh, he returned from a five-game absence of having been in the NBA's health and safety protocols. Gafford on Thursday night in 12:58 off the bench, two of five from the field, all twos. He finished with five points and five rebounds, including three offensive boards. Denny Avdia on Thursday night had another good game. He and 30-50 off the bench went one of three on threes, three of seven on twos, finished with 13 points, eight rebounds, two assists versus no turnovers and two steals. Ish Smith on Thursday night had another good game. You gotta love Ish and what he's doing right now in his return to the Wizards. So Ish on Thursday night, 27 minutes, 20 seconds of playing time off the bench. He went one of three on threes, six of seven on twos. He finished with 15 points, six assists versus no turnovers and two rebounds. Ish in that fourth quarter that the Wizards won 39-25, scored 11 points. And you look at Ish Smith now over his four games since being reacquired by the Wizards on NBA trade deadline day, now two Thursdays ago. The guy has 21 assists versus three turnovers. Not bad. An assist-to-turnover ratio of 7-1. to one. Uh, he was Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Thursday night on Ish. He was very impactful. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I didn't go back with uh, Howell. But, you know, I thought it was, you know, both guys contributed, you know, uh, very well. Uh, and he was great defensively. Uh, got some stops, timely stops. Um, and then we make big, big plays down the stretch. So it was a great team win. Yes, it was. Uh, also, Anthony Gill on Thursday night, 18-41 off the bench, 2-2 two two on threes, 2-5 two on twos. He finished with 12 points, 2 blocks, 3 assists versus 2 turnovers, and 2 rebounds. So, Rui Hachimura, Daniel Gafford, Denny Avdia, Ish Smith, Anthony Gill, all contributing off the bench for the Wizards on Thursday night. In terms of Wizards starters, the guy who stood out the most was Corey Kispert. Uh, he went 4-6 on threes, finished with 16 points, Two steals and a game best time plus minus rating of plus 13 and 32-30 as a starter. So believe it or not, the Wizards, despite all of their struggles this season, despite all of the team's turmoil this season, are just a game behind the Atlanta Hawks for 10th in the Eastern Conference. And 10th is significant because 10th is the final spot for the play-in tournament for the Eastern Conference in the NBA playoffs. Uh, I am not interested in the Wizards being in that play-in tournament as we have discussed. I am far more interested in young Wizards players developing and playing well, but the Wizards getting as high of a first-round pick as possible in the 2022 NBA draft. And I get that those two things aren't necessarily in alignment, right? Because if young Wizards players are developing and playing well, the Wizards are probably going to be winning some games and maybe getting into this play-in tournament. But yeah, the Wizards are very much in the play-in tournament conversation, despite all of the Wizards' problems this season. Uh, still, an impressive performance by the Wizards on Thursday night. All right, that will do it for you and me. But just for now, keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me 
at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 255. We'll feature plenty on the Commanders. We'll also discuss the rest of our Washington, D.C. sports weekend. Now, both the Capitals and the Wizards do not have games this weekend. The Caps' next game isn't until this Thursday night at the New York Rangers. The Wizards' next game isn't until Friday night, February 25th, home to the San Antonio Spurs. But we will have plenty of college basketball this weekend. Maryland will be at Nebraska Friday night at 9. Georgetown will be at number 10 Villanova Saturday evening at 5. Virginia will be at Miami Saturday evening at 5. And Virginia Tech will be home to North Carolina Saturday afternoon at 4. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Go back into the self-scout, coming off the self-scout. So as we delve and take a deep dive into the self-scout,